You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome into another Three Mall podcast. I am John Kurtz. I am joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. We're talking defense today. You get your defense preview. Cole's over-unders are coming up. The defense, I think we have more question marks with than the offense. How will they be able to replace Felix Andy Uzama, Julius Brents? A lot of really good talent gone off that defense. Eli Huggins. Uh, it'll be a tall task in case State is dealing with some injuries here early in camp to a couple of key components of the defense. But that is what we will traverse here over the next 30 to 45 minutes. And it is all brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. Make sure to pour yourself a drink while you're listening to the Three Mile Podcast. Unless you're driving, uh, please don't do that. But if you're not driving, then make sure and bust out your 360 vodka or your Ben Holiday bottled and bought bourbon. Those are how they can really help you get ready for lake season, tailgate season, everything coming up this fall. Make sure you are stocked up and support Holiday Distillery. Great K-State folks, great K-State fans who support our pod, so please support them as well. The defense, fellas, I know in the offensive pod we we talked a little bit about the the injuries there, but I, I do want to start just real quickly, maybe another recap here, D.Y., for those that didn't listen or since we are specifically honing in on the defense. I mean, Uso at uh, defensive tackle is up there in terms of guys that are as important as any on the defense, replacing Eli Huggins, who was the most underrated part of that D last year and a a complete stud. He's dealing with a bit of an injury. Daniel Green, we know that's been, unfortunately, one of the stories of his career recently has been injuries. And then if you want to lump in the, the penalties that he was getting a couple of years ago that were keeping him out of games availability has at times been a problem for him. How, how concerned should we be about at the outset of, of camp and the season here, the injuries that K-State is dealing? The one to Uso I'm going to pay probably extra attention to just because, as you stated, that is a very significant part of the defense this year. For them to be a productive unit, he has to be on the field. I think the drop-off there after him is probably pretty significant even though they do trust Damian Leo, but just the the praise, the amount of compliments for Russo, you kind of got the impression that he was going to be, you know, borderline star stardom uh, right away once he once he became the starter of the season for Kansas State. And and that's an important position. Yet to for the these defenses to work, you gotta have a player that can really show up and perform at a high level in order for the rest of the defense to, you know, rise up as well. So, and with Daniel Green, I think that is significant too, but he's already on the stationary bike when we saw him in practice on Monday. So I just got to wonder if he's probably pretty far along already. So the severity is probably tempered quite a bit. And not that there isn't a gap after him, but you probably feel better about what you have in the linebacker room to, to kind of stomach that loss. And I don't think it's going to be lost for very much. We still don't know, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, whether either of the two will miss a game. But I think Uso is more important to have on the field. I know that sounds crazy because everyone will remember the, the ranking from Daniel Green and the expectations for him as soon as he got to Kansas State and how long he started and, and they like how much of a thumper and physical player that he is. But for this specific team, I think Uso is more important. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even fight you on that for a, a half second. And again, nothing against Daniel Green, but I, I think we feel pretty good about the depth at at linebacker. But defensive tackle, it's it's a little bit different there. And uh, they need they've they've had a really good run of guys being impact players at defensive tackle. You know, when you think back to like the Will Geary's, Travis Britz's of the world, like they've they've been on a really good run of of guys in the middle. Yeah. There. Yeah, and even when we spoke to Colin Klein today, and I know I mentioned this on the, on a prior uh, podcast, but he was asked which defensive players really keep him up at night in terms of just practice being a pest for his own offense when they practice up against them. I mean, Uso was the first guy that he mentioned, and without hesitation, and he called him a machine. So, and just the way that we saw Chris Kleiman, kind of that the nonverbal reaction when we asked him about Uso in our LinkedIn at Big Twelve Media Days, I just think. 
that they're approaching this guy as if he's one of the best players on the team already. And if he's that good, you just want him on the field as much as possible. Well, I mean, our biggest takeaway from Big 12 Media Day was Uso Samalo was probably the most brought up guy on this team and just raved about and Chris Kleiman gushed about him and so did all the players, Cooper Beebe, et cetera, about how unfair it is for a guy to be able to move the way he does at his size. And in a 3-3-5 defense, your nose tackle is one of your most important pieces. That's a hard body to find. You know, there aren't guys that can move like him that are readily available out there. And he's replacing a guy in Eli Huggins who played 630 snaps last season. So you need availability from Uso Sayamalo. He's got to be that front guy that you can have man up in the middle of the defense and keep guys off of the linebackers. So hopefully not anything long-term. I know that's what it sounds like, right, D.Y.? Was he visible at practice? Did you see Uso at all, or is he... No, you don't think it's you don't think it's severe though. I was told it's not severe, but he I, he wasn't seen at practice on Monday when the the part that was available to us he wasn't off on the side or anything like that. So um, I'm not saying it's more severe than Daniel Green. I don't know that, but it's just something that I'm going to keep an eye on. Both are considered not long term. Um, when we get to the UCF game, first league game of the year, I would be shocked if both aren't out there by that point can they be back sooner yes but i don't know a lot of the details i think they're still ironing those out it seemed like the timetable might be similar to christian duffy but we'll see the well, landscape of the defense man i mean eli huggins gone felix any dk uzama gone from the defensive line in the secondary you're taking big hits echo boido josh hayes julius prince there are a lot of bodies to replace that were very good players on this defense last year. So uh, to me, very fair to say more question marks on that side of the football than the offense. I think we all respect Joe Klanderman a lot. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator, but what, what does this defense need to be? D.Y.? Do they need to be 75, 80% of what the defense was last year? Do they need to be as good as the defense was last year for this team to get where it is that they want to go? How, how would you characterize that? And it might be as good, or, or maybe just a step below. I, I don't know how to quantify it. I think they have a tall task in front of them. I don't think it's insurmountable, but I think it's going to be challenging. And, and you know, just what I've kind of laid out there probably throughout the last two, two and a half months of the offseason is that I think this Kansas State offense is far and away good enough to win a Big 12 championship. Zero concerns. I, I think they can compete to be you know, right there with Texas in terms of the most potent offenses in the Big 12, maybe the country, who knows. Defensively is where their fate is going to be determined. Can they be good enough on defense to win a Big 12 championship? That's that's the question. I think some of us are hopeful of that and think that they are capable of that, but none of us know that for a fact because of how many new pieces that they are going to be going to be deploying. I think it sounds like they made progress with that secondary. Obviously, that was probably, I wouldn't say the weakest point, but had the most questions because you lost, I think, four of your five starters in the back end. And certainly you lost, you know, some of your defensive front as well. But when you can just move Khalid Duke back there, um, that sews up and the answer is some of the questions that you have. You have three defensive ends that could probably start on a lot of Big 12 teams. Khalid Duke, Brendan Mata, and Matt Lack. Thuso is what he is, then, you know, the one question mark is already wiped out and answered and, and already accounted for with the defensive front. What are you going to do in the back end of the secondary? I think we know probably what those and who those answers are going to be, um, how they perform, especially early in the season and how much they can grow between now and the thick of the Big 12 race. That's really going to decide where this thing goes for Kansas State. Is Jacob Parrish ready to start 12 games? Um, you know he's a talent. He's a speedster. He flashed last year. He didn't even redshirt. But is he ready for, you know, the brute, the brutality, and the physicality of a Big 12 slate, 12 games across, 13 if you make it to Arlington? Will Lee's really emerging right now. Um, but are there growing pains for him in his first few games? Now, I'd probably, just the way that the trajectory sounds with Willie, probably less concerned about him than I am Jacob Parrish. Not that I am concerned about Jacob Parrish, but... Will Lee's older, all right? He was a junior college player, one of the most talented players in the entire country, could have went to Alabama. 
Um, the fact that he's ready, I think physically he's not going to be overwhelmed, but Jacob Parrish, a younger slider body, um, a pounding of a 12 game season can take its toll. That's where Keenan Garber is going to be pretty valuable because he's probably that next guy up. He's probably the depth at quarterback and he showed well last year when he played there for only about eight days, but, um, now he's got to learn everything and figure it out and, and not just kind of go on fumes because there were, there were at times, you know, just talking to people from Kansas State, even in the Big 12 championship game when he's on the field, where he's in man coverage and they're actually running his own defense on that particular play. So he's completely doing the wrong thing, but obviously they figured it out anyways. And I think they know what they wanted safety in. And to be honest, the safety position is really what they figure it out um, and have to basically tear down from brand new every year and still figure it out, whether it be Russ Yeast or Josh Hayes and this year Marquis Siegel. It just seems to me that the blind faith element, I have more of that when it comes to the safety position. Well, let's start there. For safety, I actually think they can be better at safety this year from a talent standpoint than they were last year. So they lose Drake Cheatham and they lose Sincere Mason. Now Josh Hayes was kind of that versatile piece that they could throw all over. But I think Kobe Savage, B.J. Payne, I think B.J. Payne has a load of potential um, you know, at the safety spot. He's one of those guys they named as a true freshman that was running 21, 22 miles per hour and is one of those guys gets off the bus is incredibly impressive. Kobe Savage coming back off his ACL injury. I think he's got potential. Then Marquise Siegel is a guy that we constantly heard as well at Big 12 Media Day, and you've heard too about DY, how good he has been at the safety position transfer from North Dakota State. So I think they have the potential to be better at safety. Uh, you know, the, the thing that really strikes you is, and it didn't strike me until I heard it recently because I hadn't thought of it this way, but K-State doesn't return a single start at cornerback which makes sense, but, you know, I'd never thought of it that way. You know, Julius Prince and Echo Boido were so reliable, Josh Hayes, but you're breaking in Will Lee, Jacob Parrish, Keenan Garber. Now, Parrish got a lot of snaps last year. One thing to keep in mind, we know Julius Prince was really good. Julius Prince allowed a 46% catch rate on targets last season per the Bet the Board podcast. Uh, that's that's a really good number. Jacob Parrish on, on targets at him, 43% catch rate on targets at, at Jacob Parrish when he was thrown at. So he was really good last year, but he's not the biggest corner. He's a speed guy. I think that's, you know, part of the concern, but Will Lee is that longer guy that can be like a Julius Brents out there. So cornerback room, probably going to take a little bit of time to gel. I think the safeties can be really good. Your depth might be challenged early on there. Can a Colby McAllister, can a Jordan Wright kind of fill that depth spot and give you a quality too deep there. But I mean, this is a defense overall that, per the Bet the Board podcast, is returning less than 50% of its overall defensive production from last year, which is outside of the top 100 teams in the country in terms of defensive production returning on that side of the football. It's really going to test the theory, which, I mean, I think is very much correct, that they they have a better depth of talent across the board on the roster, uh, but it's going to tax the defense a little bit more there too. And maybe, again, it comes back to what my real take on this whole team at large has been in general, which is just that I, I think there are plenty of bodies. They have better depth than they've had in the program in a while, but do you have stars? Like, do you actually have stars on the defense? Because last year's defense had stars and had three draft picks, and do you actually have those guys now ready to step in and, and step up? I think I think that really is the question there. So fair analysis all the way around. Um, I will admit I feel actually a little bit worse about the defense after having listened to Cole speak there. So, I, Dy, maybe you can bring me bring me back up a little bit. I well, if I was going to bring it back up one a little bit, I would say Cole Duke has probably a chance to be among the best defense players in the Big Twelve. I think his ceiling is probably that special. And and I you know behind the scenes and speaking to people, I really think he's going to take off this year. What I will say is. Even though we don't we don't expect Daniel Green to miss a lot of time if he misses time at all, the depth is there at linebacker. Is it necessarily there at inside linebacker where Daniel Green plays? I'm not so sure. Um, obviously, they brought in the Juco Terry Kirksey. I haven't heard a lot about him. That he was thought to be that next guy after Daniel Green, and just the you know the little talk that we've heard from him, it makes me think they're probably deeper and better at the other two linebacker spots. So. 
you know, I did say Uso is more important than Daniel Green, and I believe that. But Daniel Green, his spot is a little bit more distinguished at linebacker just because I think it's harder to duplicate him than it is the other two that they'll probably start. Like, I really, and Austin Moore is a really good player, but they got guys that can play the will linebacker that I have confidence in as well. Other guys. And then same thing with Desmond Purnell at the same spot, just because you have Jay Clifton, you have Toby Osensami, guys like that. Um, but inside linebacker, I don't know that they have a, an obvious replacement. Is is Austin Romain a guy that would play his spot, D.Y.? Because that's just a name. He's a true freshman, but that's a name. Yeah, I just we heard I mean, a lot about. Maybe. I mean, and if he's that next guy, that probably um, supports my my concern yeah. here because I, true freshman middle linebacker, I wouldn't wouldn't want to do that. Don't don't you think though that Jay Clifton's a guy they would they feel like it feels like they're very comfortable moving Clifton all over the field. Yeah, they can slide him in there. You would think. I, I just, you, at some point, you're going to stunt his growth too if you don't give him a spot and let him really hone in on that. That's my, yeah. my issue there too. And I think they'd be one to do that either at the will or the same spot. One of those is Clifton's and one of those is Tobin's. So I just, you give people too much to kind of absorb, learn, and and acquire, and you really slow down the, the learning. You, you slow down the development. So, and I think that's what they decided to do with Jake Clifton. So I just don't know the versatility is really there on this roster for the inside linebacker spot, at least not yet, or at least not to my knowledge. I mean, maybe it's happening and I just don't know. It, John, I, I know the numbers, some of them can be a little disconcerting, but I would say if Uso Samalo, it's not a long-term thing and he can be back by Big 12 player even a little bit before that, maybe by the Missouri game, Daniel Green, not long-term like DY says as well, what he's hearing. I think there's there's plenty of talent on this defense, and I think they'll gel over time. I mean, I think the pieces are there. They can be really good, and Khalid Duke is a guy that I think could be a star, like D.Y. said, at the defensive end position. So um, they they are lacking some returning production, obviously, but I, I think the pieces are there for them to get this going. And you have to remember that in 2021, K-State allowed 1.91 points per drive. That was the best mark by a K-State defense since 2013. Last year, they were 2.04 points per drive. That was number three. In the Big 12, Joe Klanderman and Chris Kleiman just have faith that they're going to figure it out on the defensive side of the football. That's where they make their mark. And so I, I have a lot of trust that they'll get this thing going in the right direction by Big 12 play. The, the Missouri game is one that I might circle because here's two things about the non-conference schedule that I don't think is said enough because people are like, oh, we got to play another great group of five team in Troy. And, oh, it's just Missouri. We left them last year 40-12. to 12. And I think those two things probably couldn't be farther from the truth because, and I, and I don't like to give, you know, a, a team like this credit either. Missouri was a team that could have easily been better than what their record finished at last year just because of all the narrow losses that they did have throughout the season. And they're, not, they're getting more talented, not less talented. And obviously, if your questions are a corner, um, the Missouri receivers should probably scare you a little bit. On the flip side with Troy, that's a team that could have been easily worse than they were last year. They did that thing by smoke and mirrors. Even the numbers really don't support how well they were last year. Um, that's not to say to look past Troy, but it, I, I guess I'm highlighting the importance of these injuries disappearing by the Missouri game. I think Kansas State has to have a full tank to beat Missouri and Columbia. I mean, we saw what Georgia did to, to TCU last year in the national championship, and I think a lot of us were watching Georgia almost lose to Missouri and and finally just take the lead at the end of that game in Columbia last year. So, yeah, they, they've got some talent, obviously. Now, who's throwing the football to those guys? That's, that's that was just people. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Luther Burden plays for Missouri. I, who's, I mean, if someone's just trying to fart the football out to them, I, good luck. I don't, what is Brady Cook? Brady Cook? Brady Cook, we're worried about Brady Cook. Oh my gosh, poor poor Tucker. Just got to listen to this and uh, got some more Missouri shots. And yeah, but I, I do think that is a question mark. Here's a here's a here's a little here's a little trivia question for you guys. Where does Missouri's best receiver play football this year? Georgia, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's exactly. Right. I mean, you're you're not wrong, John. I, I certainly think it now, but I, I Missouri is a team that can scare you a little bit. You got to be ready to play in that game and obviously that's uh yeah okay well k-state's secondary the one thing i'll say they were they were top 25 in the country and pass defense success rate 
last year, they lose a lot of guys in that secondary, but I think they're going to get it figured out. And Austin Moore at the linebacker position played over 800 snaps last year over 14 games, just super reliable. And I know we can't mention his name enough too. He's just kind of a guy that we've always counted on here. So I, I, I like the pieces on this defense. They're going to be fine. And, uh, I think they'll get through the non-con unscathed, but we'll talk more in depth about that on our season preview pods that are coming over the next couple of weeks. You guys making me feel bad about the defense and making me trying to make me feel scared about Mizzou. I don't know what curled up your guys' rear ends today here on the pod, but I, I don't like it. I don't like it. You better turn that around for uh, our over-unders coming up. You know, the only thing that can make me feel better right now is a little home field apparel. That's what I always say. Throw a little home field apparel on me like what Cole's got on, and I, I will feel much, much better. Uh, they've got a new K-State collection out. Really, two new K-State collections within the last uh, like three or four months. So it's a great time to get over to homefieldapparel.com and check all of that out. For my money, the best K-State gear around right now is at uh, Home Field Apparel. Typically skews retro. They've got some great, I love the old school K-State basketball logo with the basketball and the script cats on it. They've got that on a couple of, uh, on a shirt and a sweatshirt, I believe, with this latest group that they have released. And we've got a way for you to get 15% off. If it is your first order at Home Field, you're trying to be younger, hipper, cooler, like all the kids in the Big 12 out there, kids are wearing retro. Go get your retro gear at homefieldapparel.com. 3MA23 is the promo code there. 3MA23 to get 15% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. Dot com. They've even got uh, over 100 other schools to check out as well. So go get that. We'll take a break, come back, and get to Cole's over-unders about the defense here in 2023. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, Cole, I uh, have to turn the keys over to you with the way this podcast has been going so far makes me uh, a little bit nervous, but we did here. Cole, this is my challenge to you. We determined on the last pod that K-State has the 2000 Rams offense. I need you by the end of this to convince me that we have the, what, what year was the Ray Lewis Ravens? What, what defense is that that everybody references? Is that 99? No, 90. That's why I was going to, I thought that was like the 2000 Ravens defense. Do we have our years off here? The 2000 Ravens. The 2000 Ravens also have a case for boasting the best defense ever. But we we, we got the greatest show on turf wrong, I think is what happened there. Nah, 99, 2002. Okay, all right. So we need we, we need the 2000, 2000 Rams offense. We need the 2000 Ravens defense. Cool. Doing a little fact checking on the oh. lot. Convince me that K-State has the 2000 Ravens defense. Okay, well, I will do my best. Uh, we are going to start off here with a uh, a guy that we just talked about could be a potential star. Let's start off with Khalid Duke. Um, look, Felix Andy Uzama is gone, obviously. He had eight and a half sacks last season. He had pressured the quarterback on 12% of the dropback attempts that he was in the game. Um, you know, he's gone, but they, they have a guy in Khalid Duke that I think has slid back into his more natural position, has a ton of talent. So I'm going to set the over-under mark at eight sacks for Duke. D.Y., you go first. Over. I think that he will be able to capitalize on the first handful of games quite a bit. It wouldn't shock me to see him come out to a really fast start before teens recognize, hey, this guy's an elite defensive end. Like, I could see him have five sacks by the beginning of conference play and it wouldn't be a surprise. I am going to say, I'm going to be optimistic. I will say over. I think, I think they may need that if this defense is going to be good enough to uh, get back to a Big 12 championship game. So I'm going to say over, and now I'm going to sit back and listen to Cole tell me that Khalid Duke is Reggie White. <laughs> well, I will say that last year we, uh, we set the over-under on Felix at 10 sacks, and we all took the under, and I think we all projected him between eight and nine sacks. So... We were right on the mark last year as he finished with eight and a half. I am going to take the over on Duke as well. Look, I, I sit here and I think about Khalid Duke, and I think about that Stanford game in Jerry World in 2021 when he was flying all over the football field. I think about the pandemic season in Oklahoma and Norman when he was relentless and had two sacks in that game when he was playing at DN. And I think about last year against Texas Tech when he was playing more in his natural position. They let him rush the quarterback more, and he had three sacks against the Red Raiders. 
I think when Khalid Duke has his hand in the ground or is coming off the edge with a relentless get after the quarterback, just go get the ball, I think Khalid Duke can be a superstar pass rusher. And so I'm going to take the over, and I actually think he'll hit double-digit sacks this year if he can stay healthy. And um, I cannot wait to see it. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I was just letting you guys, you know, I was giving you the Reggie White version there. See all that. Uh, Zimmer. Okay. All right. I like it. Yeah. No, all right. Look, defense over unders are a little tricky, I, I will say, because you're talking about total tackles or, or things like that. And that can be hard to project. But let's stick on the topic of sacks. Nate Matlack and Brendan Mott combined sacks of nine and a half over under. So, John, we'll, we'll start with you on this one. Just I'll, I'll let you have a second to think about it. Brendan Mott had six sacks last year. Actually, it might have been six and a half, I believe. Three came against West Virginia. And then Nate Matlack had one and a half sacks last year. Now, if you guys recall, I set the over-under on Nate Matlack's sack total at seven and a half last year, and we all projected him to go over. He was what? banged up. Yeah, Well, uh, we all projected him to go over. I think <laughs> BY actually said he hit double digits. Uh, I thought he would completely shatter it. He would uh, have. If he didn't get hurt, he would have. He he played, and this is not us to thinking digs at Nate Matlack. We thank the world of him and think he has a ton of talent. He's a big defensive end out of Olathe here. I think if he can be healthy, he played with two bum ankles last year, unfortunately got hurt right out of the gate early in the year. I think if he can be healthy, I think Nate Matlack could have a big year. So six and a half from Brendan Mott last year. One and a half for Matt Lack, but with a healthy Matt Lack, and he'll be getting more snaps this year as well if he stays healthy, over under nine and a half, John. Well, let, let me just clarify and say the laughter was because, I mean, Nate Matt Lack, I think, is very talented, and I have high expectations for him. I think he's going to be great. But that was a lofty expectation to put on that guy in basically like his first year of being counted on to be a regular contributor. Like, what the hell were we doing? That's just, that's just unfair to Nate Matlack. I like, think it was the attention that Felix would command, so we thought that he would really rack it up, which kind of happened, but it happened for Brendan Mott. He he had about seven sacks. So, yeah. you know, I, I feel like you're taking a shot at my over-under number I set last year, and I do not appreciate it. All right, Nate Matlack had three and a half sacks his freshman year, and I just thought we could pretty much double that with the attention Felix was going to grab. And I think Matlack was kind of the buzzword at Media Days a couple years ago when uh, I was guilty of bringing it up a lot because I really like his potential. So um, I think that's why I sent it at that. I'm going to go over because I think that they play... And I'll note that the rotations is deeper, as deep this year at, at defensive end. Like I, I think it might be just, just like a three man kind of thing. And geez, they combined last year for eight, so I feel well, like they should be. Able to I'm going to take the over as well, which is a. Uh... Yeah. Well, what what if I say under, and I'm going to take Uso to be Chris Jones in the middle there? Yeah, I mean that's a good thought. I just don't, I never think of a nose guard. At least in our time, as being necessarily an adequate pass pressure. I say adequate, just like you would expect them to get like two, right? Well, you've been you've been gassing me up here on Uso, you know, for the last couple of weeks. On everybody thinks he's a right. oh, media day. They were gassing me up on Uso, Coleman at an airport. Like I, he's our guy. He he is our guy, but like the nose guard and an odd man front is usually not a sack kind of dude. I'm taking them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, you know, DY, the interesting thing about John last year, you had a comment when I re-listened to the over-under pods, your comment was listening to John's predictions. Gee, John, it sounds like you got us going six and six based off all the numbers that you're, uh, you're predicting. Um, so not surprising that John would take the under there on the nine and a half and well, at this price, I, I think you have a scoring. Uh, what is it, fifteen and zero? Uh, you guys, you guys were calling me Homer Cole last year, and then we, in case they won the Big Twelve Championship, and college football indeed ran through Manhattan. Which, by the way, once again, if you'd like to see a three mile shirt of college football runs through Manhattan, check out our new clothing line um, that John likes to poke fun of. Clothing line. <laughs> so, uh, Cole, no, Cole, you bring up a great point. You bring up a great point. We do need to say, hey, we've got. Not only a clothing line, our partnership with Balenciaga uh, coming out here very soon, but also, 
<laughs> but also we have a new show. Well, uh, an extension of the show that will be uh, coming out here for football season with uh, a former K-State player. So we're going to tease that, but uh, we, we are looking for a sponsor of that show. So if you have any interest in uh, advertising with three Ma, DM me JL Kurtz on Twitter. DM Cole. Is it at Cole underscore man back? That's right. Okay. At Cole underscore man back. If you have any interest in working with us there, whether it is for the new show, the current show, any part of three Ma, uh, make sure to get in touch with us. And yes, again, be watching out for our bathe and ape collection uh, that is coming out soon. Three Ma branded bathe and ape clothing. Yes. Um, please let me know if you'll be interested. We'll be ordering some inventory here soon. I digress from that. Let's get back to the nine and a half. I am taking the over for Brendan Mott and Nate Matlack combined sack total this season. You guys have any other thoughts on that one? No, I'm just waiting for my Uso over so I can just slam that. Uh, we'll set the over under sack total for Uso then at one, one and a half. Over. Over, baby. Easy money. Easy money. He'll have that against Simo. Does he go to play? (laughs) (laughs) Let's not worry about that. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't on my list, but I just threw it into a P's John of Uso sack totals. One and a half over. Let's go. Let's go. All right. I'm going to take the over, too, because I think he's just going to push the center right back into the quarterback like we saw him do uh, sometimes last year. So I'm going to take the uh, the over on Uso there as well. All right. Let's do total team turnovers. All right. Last year, I set the over-under number of turnovers at 19 and a half. And I quote DY, you set a terrible number. There's no way they get to 19 and a half. They turned teams over 18 the year before in 2021, and D.Y. was like, they're not hitting 19 and a half after going 18. And Kansas State ranked in the top 10 last year in turnovers forced at 24. 24 turnovers. And I think I made a comment that, you know, I I, I finally, I got bullied by D.Y. enough last year on the over-under pod that I was like, you guys are right. I set a bad number, so then I took the under. Um, you know, on the turnover number because you guys made me feel like I put such an astronomical number on it. Now, per Bet the Board podcast, K-State was top 10 in the country last year in turnover luck and turnovers force. So there are there is a bit of fortune with turnovers, but I mean, K-State, since the Chris Kleiman era began in Manhattan in 2019, all right, we take away the COVID season, the pandemic season of 2020. So we're talking three seasons worth of football. K-State is number two in the Big 12, forcing turnovers 57 times behind Baylor, which has an astronomical number of 76. Um, So uh, K-State, though, is number two at 57. West Virginia is last at 38. Um, If you look at those turnover numbers, you see why West Virginia has really struggled both turning the ball over a lot and not forcing takeaways. So I say all of this, they forced... 18 turnovers in 21. They forced 24 last year. I am setting the over-under this year at 20 and a half, and I'm sure D.Y. will say it's a terrible number again, and there's no way they're going to get to it. So, D.Y., let's have you bully me again on the over-under number of the defensive turnovers. No, it's not a terrible number, I guess. Um, So, (laughs) I will apologize to being a considerable bully to you. Uh, exactly a year ago. With that said, I'm still going under just because you have a lot of new guys on the defense, a lot of young players, especially at quarter. I mean, some of your, most of your interceptions you hear you're talking about, uh, turnovers, you're talking about interceptions. You got Jacob Parrish, BJ Payne, just a lot of new, newer, younger players with less experience. Like last year, I should have put more stock into it with as much experience as they had at quarter with guys like Julius Prince. And Echo Boydell bringing in Josh Hayes. So, yeah, I'll go under this year just because uh, you usually play a little less faster when you're a little bit younger. I would lean under. I would lean under. I think it's a great number, Cole, by the way. Terrific number, but Thanks. difficult, painstaking decision. I will uh, I will trend toward the under. I'll take the under as well, but just slightly. I mean, I think they're going to fall right around that 19, 20 mark, kind of that middle pack uh, between the 18 and the 20. 24, 
force, but they've been good at, at forcing turnovers. So I'll take the under there. That's the one time you're going to see me take more of a negative angle. Uh, some of it will also be tied into uh, if they're able to apply the same amount of consistent pressure like they were able to with Felix EDK Zamo. Now, we just talked up Khalid Duke in this manner, so obviously we expect them to be able to do, but uh, obviously wreaking havoc on the quarterback is going to play into certain amount of takeovers as, or takeaways as well. Okay, Cole, real quick. We need to take another break, and I'm going to give you guys the the best over-under that we're going to get on this entire series of pods here. It's a ponder as we go into the break. Okay. Shots fired at Cole. Well, no, that's not, it's not meant to be shot. No, I, I'm not trying to, you'll understand when I say it. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to say that this is a great one. It is nothing against Cole at all. <laughs> I will just understand when I say my over under for you to ponder is over under 0.5 interceptions for Uso. Now, let's hit a break. And when we come back, we will give you our answers. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Now that everybody has had a little second to gather themselves after taking in what an amazing over-under it was that I just gave you, obviously we are slamming the over on uh, .5 interceptions this year for Uso. Big tip ball. He's going to get up and grab it, and uh, maybe we even have a little Peisman Trophy action where uh, he can he can house that thing and get a get a Peisman from it. No, Coles were better. Uh, Dy, I actually really like this. I am going to take the over. Do you guys remember Oklahoma game last year in Norman when Uso batted like three balls down? Yes. I mean, that guy gets its big mitts up. He's going to bat one. He might just snag it like Darren Howard, John. Remember that pick pick six of Darren Howard? He just went up and snagged at the end. I mean, I could just see Uso do that, or he's going to bat it up in the air, and he's going to snag that ball, and he's going to drag defenders. 
I, I actually kind of like this. I, and this is one we're going to take note of. If uh, if Uso gets an interception, man, we'll have a whole segment on that. Um, yeah, we'll have to get Uso on the pod if that does occur. Oh, we do. We better get Uso on the pod at some point this year. Yes. Well, how could he not come on the pod after taking a picture with me with my like wildcat sign like that? You know, I'm sure you know. Speaking of getting bullied when you guys treated me so poorly on <laughs> KSO over that, so I did. Yes, I did. So uh, I'll take the over, John. Love it. Thank you for being a true Uso believer. Yep. Um, over under 100 tackles by a player on K-State's defense this year. Austin Moore, I believe, had 87 last year. Daniel Green, uh, I think only had like 58, but he was banged up so much last year, and that was a result of a lower number because the year prior in 2021, Daniel Green alone had 16 and a half tackles which I then set the over-under number for tackles for loss last year for Daniel Green at 17, and D.Y. said he'd shatter 20 and uh, finished with three and a half. Uh, but again, Daniel Green was banged up, so <laughs> I do feel like I'm taking more shots at D.Y. Yeah, why, why aren't you dragging John's predictions at all? Yeah, I... Because I, I'm right. You know, hey, when we, do the season, when we do the season prediction pod, the one thing we'll all have going for us, guys, when we run through that schedule is we'll play back last year's comment. We all three said K-State was going to win the Big 12, and uh, that came to fruition, certainly. We had, them, we had them winning and losing the wrong games, but we had it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think John and I had them losing at Iowa State, which, how could that happen? I mean, K-State I, ran away with that. I had them losing to TCU, and you guys all thought I was crazy. I nailed it. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. That was, good. yeah, that was, yeah, I guess it was okay. Whatever. Yeah, I think they all picked him winning in Norman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going with a hundred tackles is what we're predicting right now. Yeah. What, you know, yeah. Sarah, yeah. I'll, I'll say over. I think Austin Moore gets it because That's he had 87. He got 87 last year and he got a tailing off at the end. So I think, um, not probably going to get drug for this in a year, but I think Austin Moore could easily get 100. Austin Moore is the dude. The machine is is the guy who can rack up 100. I, I mean, look, I, I love Daniel Green. Love, love, love Daniel Green. But like I said, each of the last two years, whether it's been suspensions for the the targeting penalties or injuries, he's had a hard time staying on the field long enough to do it and now already has an injury early on this year. So I, I feel like I'm more inclined to go like Austin Moore would be that guy. Well, I think we can all agree. We, we hope for Daniel's sake, also for the best of K-State, that Daniel Green gets to have a healthy year. But you guys remember at Big 12 Media Day that one of the reasons Daniel Green returned to Kansas State is because he wanted to put a full season of healthy tape on there. You know, he played through so many injuries last year, a foot injury that we knew about. He, I think he didn't practice for like 10 weeks. He played through poor rib cartilage, suffered in the TCU game in Fort Worth and comes back two weeks later. I mean, the dude is a warrior. And so really hope for his sake and K-State's sake, that he gets to have a healthy season to really show what he can be like he did in 2021. But, you know, when it comes to, to Austin Moore, guys, I think I'm not I'm not going to say he's going to hit 100. I love Austin Moore, the player. I think he's great. But I think they have enough linebacker depth. And you mentioned him kind of tailoring, tailing off a little bit last year. Is he played over 800 snaps, guys. I mean, he was on the field so much. Uh, that you're bound to get worn down. I think the linebacker depth they have this year, they're going to be able to maybe rotate a little bit more and give him a few more breaks. And so I'll take the under just because I think some of the tackles will be dispersed a little more evenly as a result. So I'll say under nobody on K-State's defense other than Uso. Uso may have 100 tackles, according to John, but uh, otherwise I, I don't uh, I don't foresee that happening. He's a he's an interceptions guy, man. He's a, he's a turnover machine, not a tackle machine. Oh, Forgot that. I'm sorry. Uh, that's that's all I got for the uh, the over unders, guys. Unless uh, John or Dy, Dy, do you have a do you have a clever one you want to throw our way, or one that uh, you'd like to set an I have an offensive one that I never mentioned. But bro, be our guest. Be our yeah. guest. Over or under four games played, Avery Johnson. Basically, whether you think he's going to redshirt or not. D.Y., I had that in the offensive outline, but uh, and to save time and conserve that, I didn't get to it. I, uh, gosh, gosh, hearing what Colin Klein said at the press conference on Monday that you were at, and Jake Rubley being the number two. I, I don't know. I'm going to take the over just because I think it's going to be too hard to keep Avery's explosiveness off the field. And here's the reality to me, guys, is if Avery is as good as, as we all hope, 
you're not going to need that red shirt year by year five because you're hoping he's not in the program by year five at that point and he's going on to the NFL after year four. So I, I think a red shirt maybe doesn't make the most sense for him because I don't expect him to be a five-year guy. So I think they they burn it. I will go under. While I agree a red shirt doesn't necessarily make sense anymore at the court, you know, on nearly every position, um, just because you leave early, you go to you transfer port, all of that stuff. But I will say under for two reasons. One being that he's number three on the depth chart. That would mean um, things would have to happen for him to get on the field and probably not good things. And two, I think it's tough to play another quarterback that many games if Will Howard is healthy for the full season. We just had that discussion on the offense podcast. How do you make it work to put him in games when Will Howard is healthy? you risk some disruption there in terms of rhythm and things of that nature. And do you have him just as a run-only option? And, and that increases a little bit of a harm for him from just a health standpoint. So for those reasons, I would go under. I'm going to say over, but I don't feel great about it. I'll, I'll outline my case for it. One, Cole is right. We're just in a day and age where, like, I, I'm. It's lovely to try to play to the red shirt thing, and I think they will make an attempt, but I don't think it matters nearly as much anymore. Um, he is otherworldly talented, and will be hard to keep off the field. And I, they're probably. I'm not saying this is any sort of an issue with Avery at all, but in general, you think of guys like trying to make the freshmen happy by playing them. They are certainly not averse to playing young players. We've seen that from the word go since they got to Manhattan. And then I hate to be this guy. I've been this guy throughout all of the preview stuff we've been doing. But let me go all the way back. Let me take you back to even like 2015. 2015, K-State had tons of injury issues at quarterback, right? That's the year Cody Cook wound up moving from receiver to play quarterback at Oklahoma State. Uh, 2016, Jesse Ertz gets hurt. Like on the was that the first series of the game against South Dakota? Uh, first series of game one, and you have injury issues all year at quarterback. I don't really remember many in 2017, I don't think, or maybe I've maybe I have this mixed up. 2016, Hertz was healthy. I don't 2020, you have injury issues with Skyler. 2021, you have injury issues with Skyler. 2022, you have injury issues with Adrian. I mean, I got I got a little mixed up on my years there, and my apologies to Jesse Ertz and Joe Hewitt. That was 17 with Ertz, because I think that's where we saw Belton and Skyler both. Okay. So, basically, all but two years of the last seven or so, we've seen injury issues at quarterback with K-State. So, I'm just, if I'm playing the odds here, I mean, there would be a decent chance that someone's going to have to do something at some point in the year. So, I don't know. All that said, I think it's really close. I I might lean Avery actually playing more than four games. I don't like that you're betting on disaster hitting. Yeah, I just I appreciate John all the context of negative thoughts of as why to rationalize your your prediction there. So that that was really really great, refreshing to think about all those injuries. That was man. well, and, and you know, listen, I'll play devil's advocate against myself. A lot of that was like running the quarterback probably more than he should have been run. And certainly in the Bill Snyder era, that was a huge part of it. Um, and then Skyler was still running a decent amount at the beginning of, of his career. And you know, I don't know. All right, hopefully, well, I'll, I'll save that one in the holster. The comment that I was going to make, I'll tell you guys that comment I was going to make off air. But look, yes, hoping for full health. I think there's every reason to think that you could have full health this year. But also, Avery's just really talented, man. And I think they may, they may try to squeeze him out of the field. Well, and the one thing I'll say on that front, too, you got a really good offensive line that's returning, which will help protect the quarterback and hopefully miss assignments. I mean, you got 35 starts from Christian Duffy. Now we know he'll miss a couple games. We got Cooper Beebe with 35 career starts. You got KT Leviston at 19, Gillum at 14, Hadley Panzer with 13, Taylor Portier, a veteran guy up front. You feel really good about that offensive line. I mean, Cooper Beebe has, has five blown blocks in 14 games last season for Sports Info Solutions. Um, and according to Pro Football Focus, BB hasn't allowed a sack over the course of his last 770 pass blocking snaps. He's the most valuable returning offensive lineman on the interior in the country over the past two seasons, according to PFF's wins above average metric. So see how I just slipped in a little, uh, a little another offensive nugget for you guys. They have a really good offensive line, and I think that will help minimize hopefully injuries in addition to not running will very much. So, you know, I, I think that's a good point, John. And, uh, 
but I'm still taking Avery on the over just because I think he's so talented. They're gonna they're gonna get creative. Well, the the other thing too, like if they hit a bunch of games where they're blowing people out, I mean, if they're pretty good and we think they're two, three, four games where they're up by a bunch, I mean, maybe they can find more reason to get him on the field. Like, I don't think you'd be as worried with swapping him in and out with Jake Rubley, right? If you're up by 30 in the fourth quarter on Zemo or, you know, I don't know, Houston, something like that later on in the year, like maybe you have more of an opportunity there. D-Y doesn't look like he's confident that we're – D-Y's like, ah, Houston, I don't know. I don't feel like you're going to be up that big on Houston. you got a lot of respect for Dana. No, I could see that. I could see Houston. I could see Troy, and I could see Sino, to be quite honest. But Missouri, do you use up those games that mean or that are meaningless at the end for Avery to burn his redshirt? I don't know. Those would seem more like games you would get Rubley going because you don't have to worry about burning. Yeah, well, I also think there's potentially a conversation with Avery. I, don't they in general let the kid kind of choose? I mean, maybe Avery at that point says like, I don't right? Know. If you're going, if you're going, if you're going to burn his red shirt, I don't know. I was going to say if you're not going to burn his red shirt, but you want to play him four games, then you're probably not going to use him against teams you're already blown out. But we'll see what happens when we get there. We'll we'll probably know by the end of non-con what the directional. This is one. Of, this is a prediction. I feel like we'll be looking back on next year that could go horribly wrong for some of us here. We'll probably be making fun of this one eventually. Uh, okay, we end the defense pod with offense naturally, uh, as we meander our way through another three month podcast here. But uh, appreciate the uh, support of Homefield, HomefieldApparel.com. Get your new K State gear. Three month twenty three is the discount code. Tell them three month sent you. Uh, and then obviously go get your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon and your 360 vodka from Holiday Distillery, our friends who are great K-State folks who support this pod. For Tucker Frank, the behind the scenes, and Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thank you for listening to another 3 Off. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.